And so that's what is so interesting about art psychotherapy, because it's not just about verbalizing, but it's also about allowing the artwork to exist as an embodiment of a lot of what is happening within. Creatives. Creatives. Your host, Marnie Stone. Good afternoon, Maria Perella Alaria, and welcome to Creatives. It's great to see you. Thank you for having me, Marnie. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's such a glorious day out there today. It is. And we are so grateful that you were able to take time. You are busy. You've got lots of things on the go. I, I do try to stay out of trouble. That's good, but it's still early yet, right? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's only May. <laughs> so how did your career in the arts begin? When did you first realize that you had um, a, a feeling for the arts? Um, pro- okay, thank you. Probably back, I would probably say in high school, maybe even grade school. Um, it, the, the idea of, um, I just really liked painting and drawing. That was how it all kind of started, and I took... Um, uh, art classes all through high school and um, when it was time to pick a university I chose I chose uh, art-based programs and went to the Ontario College of Art uh, in Toronto and then it was at um, the Ontario College of Art that um, I discovered uh, art psychotherapy as a potential career choice kind of thing because I always really liked um, the idea of like how do people tick right like what motivates people so um so I learned about that and that then took me on this route to Concordia University in Montreal where I continued a BFA as well as doing graduate work in art psychotherapy and after I got my master's um I could have either gone the gallery route or I could have gone into uh, mental health services and chose the latter um, especially since I knew I was coming back to Sault Ste. Marie and at that time we're talking the 90s, early 90s mm-hmm. and the, I think the plant at that point had like a major kind of crash kind of thing and the Sioux was very, um, I just had a sense of after having lived in other places thinking and being in the Sioux I realized the Sioux was a very um, dark and depressed kind of community and I thought okay if I can bring art psychotherapy to the Sioux in various forms then that might help and that's so I came back in 92 by 95 I'd opened the Fireball Cafe and oh, I remember and the cafe yeah, that was so, such a great space yeah and it was one of the f- sort of for me anyway it was a it was a true extension of non-clinical art therapy in the sense that uh, one was creating a creative space to be able to hold, uh, just to hold um, people in terms of their uh, need to express themselves and in order to feel safe. So there was uh, no booze, no smoking, um, just some home cooked, like, you know, focaccia and cookies and s- simple things, but coffee based. And uh, uh, we promoted uh, live music, um, original art on the walls. Uh, we had poetry slams. We had small theater productions. It, uh, it was pretty good for about seven years. We need to revive the fireball. You know, I hear that a lot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about that over an espresso or two. Yeah, over over a few, actually. Yeah, because it was quite a... And it was interesting because, like, while I ran the cafe, I also, in order to keep the doors open, 
Um, I taught at Lake State, I taught at Sioux College, I taught at Algoma University, I had a long-term contract at the Algoma Treatment and Remand Center working with folks in corrections. I did contracts for Sioux Area Hospital, Sexual Assault Care, Bretton House, Phoenix Rising. So um, I was uh, working at, on most days I was working four jobs Wow! in order to keep the doors open to the cafe because it was uh, as a non-booze selling establishment, right? There's only so much you can make on coffee. And, and it, it became interesting. Parents would often um, pull up with their truckload of kids drop them off <laughs> and then, really yeah yeah oh yeah I had teenagers that had maybe five bucks in their pockets and they would drink coffee until they you know couldn't handle it anymore and that was and that was it so you can't really make a lot of money selling coffee and stuff like that well maybe we can long, talk about some ways how we might be we able could. to tweak <laughs> the new and improved fireball I know, cafe I I, there are so many people in your in your camp <laughs> Yeah, 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 that is a very so it's it's an interesting endeavor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, getting back to your Sorry. earlier days. Okay, when you were first starting out, and you know developing your artistic right part of your life. Right. What would you say would have been the biggest influencers in your life back then? Did you have a specific teacher or um, well, an artist that yeah. inspired you? I will tell you, Sally Morehouse was probably one of the biggest inspirations um, in my life, right? Uh, um, Joan Kelly, a good friend of hers, and Elizabeth Lean. I, I, you, yeah, you're nodding, so you remember these three mm -hmm. uh, women, quite a powerhouse they were. And... Um, and sadly, they're no longer with us, but uh, they were, for a person of my age and generation, really groundbreaking, right? They, they were three women who did what they felt that they needed to do creatively and um, were lucky, lucky, or maybe in spite of their, sp their spouses and their family systems, were able to march ahead and do what it is that they needed to do. And... Um, I just found them really, really inspiring. And they were, um, Sally especially was a close friend. I always thought of her as my art mom kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was, she was quite a, a She had wonderful, such a great energy. Yeah, very, very, uh, uh, just, yeah, just an incredible powerhouse of a woman. And I don't think she ever realized just how uh, important she was and how instrumental she was in the lives of so many people, especially women. Um, so, uh, and she uh, did at one point uh, open a gallery called Meta. You remember, I do remember that. You remember that, that. yep. And, uh, and it was, that was a hard go too, just because it was the f one of the first, mm, first or second, well, Joan Burke, I think. Jean Burke? Joan Burke. Jean Burke. Jean. Jean. She also had a gallery, right? Mm -hmm. She and her son, I think, was it? I do remember that too. Yeah, I so can't recall the name of it though. Yeah, so they had a, a, a gallery as well. and. And Sally's was, was more um, contemporary art, a bit more experimental stuff often. And so, you know, it was, I think, maybe a little tougher for folks in the Sioux to kind of embrace it mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think at that time, too, I'm just trying to remember, we're probably talking, let's see, I ran the fireball from 95 to 2002. So Sally did have meta. Sure. It was close to yeah. you, wasn't it? It was right next door. It's right. where Michael Casavia has the gallery, the which Hence is why he that's why he calls it the gallery because it was Sally's, and and Meta, the gallery, used to be way back Barsani Steakhouse. 
Oh. I don't know if folks remember. And then that became... Where Homespun Treasures is, isn't that... No, no, no. Actually, where where Michael Casavia's the gallery oh, that, is. Oh, that, that was that, Barsanti's? That building. Oh. It was Barsanti's Steakhouse, which then later became Eddie Kane's Irish pub, tavern, mm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then in 84, there was a fire that gutted Eddie, Eddie Kane's, right? So it burned, and then Sally took over the remains of the building after that probably probably by the early 90s right she had it she took it over and all they kept was the facade because that's all that was that was left. salvageable at right. that point yeah so there's no basement it's just crushed kind of thing right mm-hmm. and so then uh, so she had it rebuilt from from new basically but yeah she I would say she's definitely um, uh, a great inspiration and what about your time at OCAD and at uh, Concordia? Did you have any particular um, teacher that was I, I would kind of stood out? I would say that at um, our color teacher Jacques Dagenet at at OCAD, he was pretty wonderful, and he was a I don't know he was like a design based color teacher. And um, so his approach to color was, I mean, I, coming from a high school program, right? I never really, I learned some, but you never really... Dive you, deep into dive it. Dive deep, yeah. And, we, and I seem to remember having him for a couple of courses in color theory. So um, I always really loved being in his company and in his class. And, um, and there, was another, there was another design teacher. His, name, his first name was Klaus. And I can't remember his last name, but I do remember the program that he ran and it was all on how to work with typography so that typography says something. And that was oh, I thought, that really neat? interesting. So, so for someone who did fine arts, it was interesting that the two most pivotal classes were the uh, design based right. kind of classes, right? And there was always that push me, pull you, should I go into design as opposed to fine arts? But um, oh, decisions, decisions. Especially when you're young, right? And yeah. It's, it's harder. And then at Concordia, um, Concordia, I took, um, oh, I think it's probably Norma. Norma Wagner would probably be, she she was an installation practices instructor. She was one of the higher um, upper level courses that we would take. And uh, so in my undergrad, she would definitely be uh, one of the more um, intriguing professors that I would deal with because her philosophy when you're dealing with installation um, is, you know, what is, what is, how much how much of a impactful punch can you can you sort of deliver with like the more bare bones right. kind of thing most right? bang for the buck most bang for the buck and she was also very much about she was also she came from a, a textile kind of background and she was saying things like well if you can't carry it with you then what's the point so she would put whole installations in a carry-on bag and go to Europe and that sort of thing like so she, she didn't do a lot of loom work then. <laughs> no, 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 she no. And yet, you know, I did take weaving, but not with her. Right? That's true. And uh, so I had textile teachers and the whole thing. So it was it was an interesting place. And then once once I moved out of the BA went into BFA went into the um, MA. Uh, Stan Horner was um, he was a arts education prof, and he too was about performance and installation and um, what. This sort of like the symbolism in in everything that you do as an artist, right? And um, what what is a performance? What isn't? You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So his his class too was really um, 
really wonderful. So I would say those are probably the main They um, all sound wonderful. They were, yeah, mm-hmm. they were. There, there were some duds at OCAD, but we do not need to mention them. Do they have like an, an alumni? Do you, do they have events each year that you can get together? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. There are like alumni associations for both, uh, both schools. I never, being in the Sioux, I don't necessarily don't too really hard feel like doing the track just to. Right. Some people I still am in touch with and some not. So that's fine. And that's would you experience art or create art every day in your own personal life? That's interesting because once I was in, when you're when I was in school for me anyway, because it was a, a school thing, then I would make sure to work every day to be able to produce a product. And then once that structure was done, then I had to figure out well, what do I want to make that is of value to me to make? Like, what is the point of all that, right? So um, in the first, I would say the first few years when I came back to the Sioux. Um, Actually, there's always there's always this look, there's always this challenge of setting up a studio. What do I do in the studio? How do I make whatever I make? And how? So I I, I started off as a painter in oil paints, and I can't say that that is something that I still love to do. Like it's an interesting process, but um, I've since at times sort of changed tact, and um, most recently have gone into fibers and embroidery and. D- dying things beautiful using photographic processes like so it, it's morphed a bit more so that's um and i and i think that's probably part of the reason why i gravitated more towards art psychotherapy as opposed to um doing the gallery circuit kind mm-hmm. of thing um i get bored very easily so i couldn't I couldn't see myself doing production work. Too mundane. Well, for it's you. just for me, yeah, right. to do production work to constantly keep customers satisfied, kind of thing. Like, um, so hence the the show in March at Galerie Saint Cloud was an extension of a body of work that had been started a number of years back, and then a number of years back before that, that all relates to personal experience. So, so it's a different. It was such a beautiful show. kind of thing. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very we much. really enjoyed it a Thank lot. You. It was just. I, if I had to pick a word, I would I would say it was ethereal. It was thank you. Oh, really, really lovely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Tell yeah. me yeah. or tell us okay. how uh, the Art Speaks project came about. It is such an incredible offering for our community thank and uh, appreciated by so many. Can you, you tell us, explain how that got started? So, um, so sort of goes back to Fireball, actually. So in the years that I did the fireball, I um, also was doing contracts for sexual assault care, Phoenix Rising, and let me sorry, and Bretton House, right? The three main agencies that uh, dealt with uh, trauma in different forms, right? So sexual abuse, um, dealing with addictions, and dealing with mental health. And as funding kind of uh, shriveled up for them, especially at that time, we're sort of talking early to mid 2000, 2010, 11, 12, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, money was quite tight for all these agencies. So um, Mick, uh, Nikki, uh, Mickey Nacarato was director of Breton at the time. So I talked to her and I said, how about we work on a Trillium grant and maybe we can get some seed funding and run a program that could benefit um, women impacted by trauma. And, and we chose women because women of a certain age in a certain demographic and a certain certain socioeconomic um, pool 
do not have services that are readily available to them, right? Either things are too expensive, uh, timing doesn't work because of children, uh, taking care of children, taking care of elders, that kind of thing. Um, there may be people dealing with, you know, domestic abuse and addictions in their families or mental health issues. And often the women are the caretakers regardless of what's going on around them. And mm -hmm. so a lot of programming, kids will get lots of programming, but not the moms at all. So, um, so uh, the three agencies that I worked with, we, uh, we came together and I wrote the grant and we got seed funding um, in 2016. 2016, yes, so that we could start 2017. And we did a one-year um, arts-based learning program to help build resiliency. So working with um, the idea of uh, basic artist processes in the studio to help individuals who are impacted by trauma, help them express themselves in a, in a very concrete kind of way. And it hopefully in that, help them um, feel that they're part of a bigger environment and not isolated and not separated and not so healing hopefully yeah mm -hmm. that's the, the, the goal ultimately right so um so yeah so we uh got the funding there were three of us three artists myself chandra barnett and joanne robertson we all worked with women from these different agencies and um had studio time they you know had it was a, a bit of an involved kind of project now that i think about it we kind of were a little too structured at times <laughs> so but it, it was all an experiment and then from that um, we then uh, after the year uh, and funding at that point dries up as, as it always does kind of thing um, I learned that the museum was um, one could be an organizational member at the museum and in exchange help with programming and different things like that so they were very open and very eager to have um, the share their studio space with Art Speaks programming. And so we kind of have this reciprocal relationship. That's wonderful. There's yeah. a lot yeah. of really great things yeah. happening at the museum too. We yeah. are so impressed every time we go. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it, it's a beautiful it's, space. Yeah, and the latest crew, let's say the staff under Will's direction, right, are very, um, very keen just to have the museum come to life. Right? Indeed. Like history, our stories are so important. And I think we forget that even though the building holds all these artifacts and objects, and there are stories behind all these artifacts yes. and all these, and, and the, the stories are really important because that's what makes us us, right? So, yeah, sure. so it's a nice fit between Art Speaks and, and the museum. Which is Do really you nice, yeah. feel that there's a need for you to be in more places than the Art Speaks project? Well, I do still, I still maintain contracts with the hospital and, um, and so the Art Speaks project, because it started with Bretton House, Bretton House still has um, a, a strong connection to Art Speaks. So I do work with um, the women who are residents at Bretton House and uh, we, um, we do uh, offer uh, programming as needed for the ladies at Bretton House and then the general public that feel comfortable coming right. are, are um, um, invited to come. So, But I'm also up at withdrawal management up at the hospital, so I work with folks who are dealing with, um, who are, you know, trying to figure out where they're at in terms of their own health and their own issues, right? So, right. So, and I'm still at sexual assault care offering them. Um, sessions and that sort of thing. It must be such a rewarding 
time for you to see how art can assist people in bridging it, from one it's, it's feeling a, to another. It's an interesting kind of thing, right? Because like, I will get people who will contact me and say, oh, I really like art. I'd like to be an art therapist. And, and, and I must admit that a number of people who are practicing art therapists in the Sioux have um, either had me as an instructor at the university or the college, or did reach out and ask about what art therapy means and you know how it you know works and that sort of thing. And I do try to say to folks that just because you like art, it's not a good enough reason to become an art therapist. Mm -hmm. Therapy is about wanting to understand people's motivations and how they do things and how they relate to each other, and it's about relationships. And it's the relationship that matters, and that the therapeutic process is about the relationship, a very, um, I say two people, two people working on a relationship. The art becomes the mechanism of communication between those two people. And so that's what is so interesting about art psychotherapy because it's not just about verbalizing, but it's also about allowing the artwork to exist as an embodiment of a lot of what is happening within kind of thing. Right. right. So I think that's, that's the important thing. I do think um, I'm like heartened to see that the Sioux is more um, uh, open to using very like a variety of different modalities and and i'm glad to see that there are some art therapists also in the mix it would be really awesome if there could be more like dance therapy you know mm -hmm. dance therapists more um uh, music therapy yeah movement right. music therapists uh psychodrama that kind of thing you know, so to bring all the creative arts therapies to the to the fore would be nice um art art is a is a valuable uh, like visual art uh, and that's the other thing too it's, it's all about definition <laughs> too right um so visual arts isn't necessarily the is not going to necessarily help everybody not everyone is is wired that way mm -hmm. to be a visual thinker or or learner that sort of thing so um by any kind of like body work any kind of um uh, movement any kind of uh folks who are doing drama like I you know the folks who are in all the drama clubs like you gotta wonder like how much of it is personal therapy as well as right. <laughs> you know as well as wanting to entertain and be part of a bigger scene right like that kind of thing mm -hmm. so I think um, the Sioux embracing its creative side a bit more is great to see because mm -hmm. that that has been missing for so long and uh, and I do and I do find at times um, I, do, I just kind of like in terms of like applying for grants and trying to get funding and all this kind of stuff a lot of it seems to be based on well what's going to attract tourists what's going to attract more money and yeah that's part of it but if if people are not encouraged to create just for the sake of expressing themselves then 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 the, the pr products that are made for mass consumption kind of fall flat if you know what I mean like there needs to be some body and soul mm -hmm. in things you know that's hence of why the arts need to stay in the schools right that the children yeah. need to be having art yeah. classes and the availability of those sort of things of, yeah like it's like from it's a an, young age it's an intrinsic like and you have a young brand mm -hmm. like it's it's a very very basic intrinsic thing right people need to have multiple ways of expressing themselves and it can't just always be verbal not everyone is wired that way so 
um, the arts are one and the, the arts like all the arts are are wonderful right so like the the visual and the f and the physical and and just all that stuff it's just very important to encourage creativity and aesthetics in, in people agreed yeah. and do you think that it will be offered at the new facility that's being built for the um, the treatment facility the old Sioux star Oh, the, the withdrawal management building. Right. Yeah, Northway. Yeah. Northway? Right. Yeah, that's what it's called, yeah. Will yeah. it have a, a component of the arts available to the mm -hmm. the patients there? Well, I know that I'm going over. So I know Great. that with withdrawal management, we'll have, um, I, I will be uh, offering therapeutic art sessions awesome to, the, to, hear. to the clientele who are there. Um, and there's, there's always hope that the... Um, more funding will become available so that things can move beyond just the nuts and bolts, right? Like, like for when they leave too. You yeah. Know, oh yeah. You need to you follow need, up and yeah. You need um, you need uh, uh, services in the community, but you also you also need programming at the facility, right? Like it's one thing to have a safe facility, but I know the hospital is always working very hard at trying to get funding in order to actually offer programming. And so our program, New Day, which you've probably heard about mm -hmm. maybe over time, uh, we ran it during the pandemic, and um, and it was a really interesting program in that we had uh, we had some we had movement in there, we had visual art in there, we had mindfulness practices, we had cognitive behavior therapy, dialectic behavior therapy, we had individual counseling. So it was a great little program, and funding lasted from like November of 2020 to I think it was August of 2020. Two, I think it was right, and then fortunately the funding ended. Kaputsa, right? Kaputsa, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, I think that's the program that they're they're really hoping to be able to find more funding to bring back to Northway. I think so. I, I think they're they're hope they're always hopeful. Okay, you know, so well that's a that's a good thing so to know. I'll be a little bird in a few people's ears. Well, about if you that. know anyone who's willing <laughs> to fund it, that would be awesome <laughs> because I know. Um, yeah, it's it would be it's very. Important. It's been very helpful, and we did discover that uh, a lot of our clients they did well, right? Like they, we're not we're not saying a hundred percent. No, that would be no program is a hundred percent. But when 40, 40 to fifty percent of your uh, participants end up, you know, going back to work and go back to school and are able to be function functioning um, at a at a higher level than they were before. And that's what that's, it's all about. That's like you want to help people regain their lives, right? So, yeah, yeah it's wonderful. Well, mm -hmm. Maria, thank you so much again thank for you. all that you do for our community and helping so many people and uh, your knowledge and your compassion for for everyone that you come across and for taking time to speak with me today. I um, think I have high regard for what you do oh, and you. I always enjoy my time with you so Aww, thank, thank you, you so much Maria <laughs> and I look forward to having a talk about that fireball cafe thanks so much for thank you taking time we'll see you again thank you take care hi there this is Maria from the art speaks project on the borderline radio where art speaks every day Music on today's program by M.D. Dunn and Bruce Colburn. 
Creatives is brought to you by the Art Hub at Spring and the Artesian, downtown, beautiful Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for listening to Creatives with Marnie Stone. Creatives. Creatives.